0: News just in. Peter, leader of the New Jesus Movement, has been recalled from his travels to explain some controversial, possibly immoral behavior. Let's go to our Jerusalem correspondents for more on this story. I'm here in Jerusalem, outside the house of a prominent member of the Way, a sect built on the teaching of Jesus of Nazareth, whom they claim is the Jewish Messiah. A court has been hastily convened to hear evidence brought by Simon Peter against whom an allegation has been raised, that he acted in a way that is in conflict with his position as a Jewish man, being that he went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with him. In fact, rumours have been circulating these past few weeks that non-Jews have joined the way and this court hopes to confirm whether or not this is the case. If these serious allegations are true, it brings into question how long Peter can remain as such a prominent voice within the group. This court is currently in adjournment as the council leaders ponder over the evidence presented, but Simon Peter doesn't seem to dispute the charges. He agrees that he did go to the home of a Roman centurion, but only because God had told him so in a dream. In fact, He argues that God has accepted Gentiles and welcomes them into his family. We eagerly await the court's decision in this matter as it has huge implications for the future of this small Jewish sect. If Peter's decision is affirmed by the court then we could see the teaching of Jesus spread way beyond the confines of the Jewish faith. Back to you in the studio. Thank you for that report. We will of course keep you informed of the course decision as soon as it is made public. And uh, if you hear here last Sunday, uh, we encourage you to read through the book of Acts with us. If you take a chapter a day, uh, 28 chapters, you will roughly finish uh, about the end of this month. And it really gives you an overview of the history of those first followers of Jesus as they set out into the world full of the Holy Spirit and there to witness to all that they could reach about the good news of Jesus. Uh, Jesus. And we very much said that although the book is called the Acts of the Apostles, the apostles were those sent by Jesus, the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Really, it's the Acts of Jesus through the work of his Holy Spirit, empowering his followers to carry on his mission. It's very much a continuation from part one, written by Luke, which was the Gospel according to Luke, and part two is Acts, a continuation of that story. And then we're going to read. Peter, no, that's who it's about, Acts chapter 11, and we're going to listen to Peter explaining something that we can read about in chapter 10. So chapter 10 is the event itself, chapter 11 is Peter explaining what has happened. So here we go, chapter 11, do we have it on the screen? Here we go. Oh, hi to everyone on the live stream, great to have you with us. Uh, Do comment and say hi if you haven't done so already. So verse 1 the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the gentiles that's the non-Jews also had received the word of God. So Peter came up to Jerusalem so when Peter came up to Jerusalem the, the circumcised believers criticized him and said you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the Father's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house, and say, send to jopper for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So there we have Peter um, giving the account of uh, the story uh, that we can read in chapter 10. And I think you're probably up to about chapter 7, chapter 8 maybe today. So you've got a couple of days before you get to that. Before we delve into that, I want you to think, and it may be a moment you're in at the moment, or it may be a moment in your past. I want you to think of a time when you felt a loss of identity, when you felt a loss of identity. So it could be maybe retirement. You've gone from being a working member of society to suddenly not having that job that you had before. That might be redundancy that did that. Maybe in a job and you were forced out of it. Maybe it could be for you that you uh, have made a decision not to have any children anymore, and suddenly you're going from uh, identity as a, as a mother, maybe, to actually not giving birth anymore. Maybe it could be your empty nest is where your children have left the home, you no longer got that regular routine of having children and taking to clubs and stuff. Or maybe for you it's the loss of a partner, husband or a wife, and suddenly you don't know what your identity is anymore. C- think and see, can you think of a time when that has been the case for you? And just keep that in your in mind. We'll come back to that uh, in a moment. But I wanted to use that as a kind of our filter, our lens through which we uh, look at this story. You see, a group of Jesus followers who we would later in the New Testament call the circumcision group bring a complaint against Peter. Now, Peter was a Jewish man. And Jews, in particular, loved to follow rules and regulations that were particular to them. That if you were a Jew, you had to act in a certain way, do certain things, not do other things. And the complaint that this circumcision group, this group of, of followers of Jesus, brought against Peter was that you're a Jewish man and you have gone and accepted the hospitality of a man who wasn't a Jew. Now, that could cause all sorts of problems because it meant that Peter might be putting himself in a position where he would end up inadvertently breaking some of the rules that he had to follow as a Jew, that he might end up eating a food he's not supposed to, like pork sausages or something like that. He might end up um, eating a food that's possibly been sacrificed to idols, which probably lots of food, most foods are probably sacrificed to idols, apart from the foods that the Jewish kept. Uh, Sacred and killed in a certain way. But actually, this story reveals something far deeper and far more problematic than a Jew accepting the hospitality of someone who wasn't a Jew, a, a Gentile. Actually, what we have here is the early followers of Jesus who were called the way, welcoming into their midst, welcoming them into the club. Guys who were not Jews. Now, last week I talked about the fact it was important to remember that this group of followers of Jesus were Jews. It was a Jewish faith. It was just a part of the Jewish religion. For them, it was a continuation of their Jewish faith. You may recall they still went to the temple to pray, to gather together, to worship. They were still Jewish. And therefore, followed all of the Jewish rules and all the Jewish regulations. But here we have a story of Cornelius, a guy called Cornelius, a Roman centurion. So, a guy who was a sort of a middle ranking Roman officer who was technically the enemy being accepted into the club. Now, this isn't unknown. Okay. It is possible for people who were non Jews to become. Jewish, but they would actually have to become Jewish. If you're a man, you would have to be circumcised. He's not going to put you off. Nothing will. You've got to follow the the food rules. You've got to follow everything it means to be Jewish. You have to become Jewish. But what's different about this is that Cornelius didn't. Cornelius didn't have to do any of those things. It's difficult for us to realize when reading this story 2,000 years later how big a shock this would have been. This is why this court, this this council has to be convened to say, Peter, what on earth are you doing? You can't do this. This is like so contrary to everything we have been doing for the last few thousand years as as God's chosen people. I heard it one, one commentator say, that their identity of Judaism, their food laws, their circumcision, was the cultural public symbol of their unique identity. Cultural public symbol of their unique identity. See, a couple of months ago, we, um, as a family, drove to see Jen's sister. She lives in Stoke Newington, so sort of East London, and uh, we came around the M25, we came in, and as we came in, it started to get all Londonish. You know, you know what London looks like. And suddenly, Joel pointed out these men walking around, and they were dressed in the most strange way we'd ever seen. They had, um, you know, what are they called breeches, where the trousers stop here, and then you've got, like, white stockings on underneath, looking like you're some sort of 18th-century coachman. And they were walking around in nose, and they had these white shirts, and they had these hats that were about this size, like cylinders that went round, and they were covered in fur, and they were just walking around like, who are these people? Now, I have seen Jews walking around the area, but that is not how they've looked. This was taking it to the extreme. So we quickly went on Wikipedia, What are they? what's going on? And it turns out it's, it was a wedding. It was the, uh, the Jewish Sabbath, it Saturday, it was a wedding, and they were dressed in this special wedding attire. But even then, if it's not a wedding, if you go in that area, you will see Joys walking around. You can spot them. They've got little ringlets. They've got little black bowler hat type things. They look very distinct and very different. You could almost argue they are the religious equivalent of punks. You know, punks, we don't have punks so much anymore, but they're like, you know, I don't like your values. I don't like what you do. And I'm going to demonstrate that in the way I dress. And it's almost as if Jews are saying that, I am not the same as you, I am separate, I am distinctive, I am unique. That is my identity, and I'm going to show that through the way that I dress and the things that I do. I find it quite amusing that in the Old Testament, we've got this constant struggle to try and get God's people to be different. To realize that they are not supposed to mix with all the other guys, or the non-Jews. And they're constantly, time and time again, they are messing it up and they're doing exactly the same as everyone else. And they end up in exile, they end up losing Jerusalem. They get taken into Babylon. A northern part of, of Israel disappears almost. And, and there's this constant battle for them to realize they are different and they're distinctive and they're unique. But what happens between the Old Testament being written and the New Testament is this re-kind of, re, this realization of identity of nationalism. In fact, what we're heading to about the time this is written is a massive, what was telling to be a massive disaster for the Jewish people where they rebel against the, um, the Roman conquerors. They take back Jerusalem and they say, yes, we are Jews. God is with us. And in AD 70, Jerusalem was sacked. The temple was destroyed and it's never to be built again. When this story is happening, there's a huge rise in nationalism for the Jews. It's all about their identity, about their culture, about their distinctiveness, about the fact that they are God's chosen people. So here comes Peter, a Jewish man, and he basically says, that identity that you have doesn't really matter. The being a part of God's family, a child of God's, following Jesus, you don't have to have that Jewish identity. It's not that important. Go back to what I asked you to think about, about that loss of identity. That might just give us some sort of indication about the shot that these Jewish followers of Jesus Christ would have felt when Peter said to them, everything you know about your identity doesn't really matter. Because what matters is not whether you are Jew or Gentile whether you are male or female, whether you are slave or free. This is the words of Paul in his letter to the church in Galatia. What matters is your faith in Jesus Christ. The fact that you are baptized into his body and full of his Holy Spirit. That is a dividing line. Whether you follow Jesus or not. That was a huge shock. Now, I... At the end of this passage, it says, um, it says, when they heard this, so it, it, Peter said the story, he's told the fact that, that God has accepted uh, these people and so should we and they don't have to become Jewish. It says, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God. So the reality was quite different because this caused major issues. This is probably the biggest issue for the church in maybe its first hundred years was this transition from being a Jewish faith to a multicultural faith. And pretty much every letter in the New Testament picks up this problem. And Paul has this huge issue with guys that come along saying, say, no, you've got to be Jewish. You've got to follow all the Jewish regulations. And Paul's going, no, you don't. And even Peter, we read Paul, uh, once again, his letter to the church in Galatia, Paul says, I had to have a go at Peter. Because even Peter, who had this and reported this, and said we should set the Gentiles into our, into our faith. Even Peter started to step back under pressure from the circumcision group and, started, and stopped meeting and having hospitality with, non-Gent, with Gentiles. And Paul says, you can't do that. That's not the way. See so as we come to an end I just want to think what caused Peter to do something so unexpected, so countercultural, so against the grain of everything that he would have been taught growing up, everything he saw around him that rise of nationalism that he was seeing in his nation what made Peter go completely against the grain with regard to allowing Gentiles to become part of, become followers of Jesus without being Jewish. What well, I want to say is, firstly, Peter knew Jesus. Peter knew Jesus. In fact, what he does in his uh, report back to the guys in Jerusalem, he says, oh, by the way, I remembered some words of Jesus. He said, we're going to be baptized by spirit. He remembers things. Start, things start to click into place. He spent a number of years with Peter, with um, Jesus being told all sorts of things that were very contrary to his Jewish faith. He saw Jesus accept Samaritans who were the well, they were the lowest of the low to Jews. They were like kind of a, a mix of Jew and pagan, it was a weird thing, and and they were part of the northern kingdom, but they weren't quite kind of half Jews. But Peter says, actually, this faith is for them as well. And if we go back a few chapters, we find Peter going to Samaria because Philip, well, an evangelist, had gone out there and Samaritans were becoming followers of Jesus. And Peter and John go out there. They're sent from Jerusalem to see what is happening. And Peter witnesses the Holy Spirit come and he prays for them because, and, and they receive the Holy Spirit and he baptized them. And he realizes that actually this story of Jesus is starting to spread. And he knows because Jesus told him, we can read it in chapter 1 of Acts, this this faith was going to start in Jerusalem, it was going to spread to Samaria, and it was going to spread to the rest of the earth, the known world. Peter knew where this was heading. Also, he was guided by the Holy Spirit. Once again, I said that Acts is really the story of the Holy Spirit guiding Jesus' followers in their life. We see it time and time again. and Jesus And Peter is in the midst of all that. Day in, day out, being guided by the Holy Spirit, being moved to places, being exposed to things, seeing miracles happen, making miracles happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's completely immersed in miraculous events. He sees the gospel in Samaria. Peter had had started a journey of change many years before through the teaching of Jesus and through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit which caused him to do something that as a Jewish man he should never have done and that everyone else was saying isn't right. And the question I leave with you as we come to the end is, can the same be said of you? Is the Holy Spirit, which we receive when we become a follower of Jesus, is the Holy Spirit doing something unexpected in you? Is the Holy Spirit causing you to do something unexpected in your life? Is the Holy Spirit causing you to do something where everyone around you goes, what on earth are you doing? That it happened to me when I was in my late 20s. and I left my job and I had a mortgage and I decided to become a minister. I didn't particularly want to, but I went with it anyway. And people around me says, what are you doing? What are you doing? It doesn't make sense financially. What about your mortgage? What about your job? You're good at your job. Stay and you're going to do well. For me... It was about following God's Holy Spirit, even though I didn't necessarily know where I was going. My first year at college, I thought, this is all right, but I don't really want to become a minister. Mate, by my second year, I was like, oh, I don't think I'll go back to teaching. Maybe I'll do some sort of churchy work. <laughs> churchy work. By my third year, I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. So I want to become a leader of the church. And that's me. I'm not expecting you all to become ministers or do something extreme as leaving your job and leaving your home. But is God, through the move of the Holy Spirit, causing you to do something that seems a bit crazy, a little bit different? Are we set apart not by the clothes we wear or the rules that we follow, but by the fact that we do things that everyone else thinks is crazy? See, the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are transformed by the Holy Spirit, that forces us to think differently. It forces us to accept openly. And it changes us so we welcome enthusiastically, just like Peter. I just want to say that's not what we're seeing in our world at the moment. At the time of Peter, there was that rise in nationalism that led to the destruction of the temple. In our world now, we're seeing the same. When there are threats around us, we tend to knuckle down, create our own little places of safety with like-minded people, whether it's on social media or in reality. And yet the Holy Spirit is asking us to welcome openly and to not shut people out. We're going to take a moment just to reflect on that. Uh, We're going to uh, listen and read some questions and just use this time just to respond uh, to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you this morning. In what things do you find your identity? How would you feel if those were taken away from you? Are you for change in your life or fearful of it? In what do you find your security? Are you immersing your life in the work of the Holy Spirit so you are able to recognise his voice and respond to his prompting?